Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. We have a very special guest on today for several reasons, one of which is my man Jeff Schwartz, NFL media personality, former player, offensive lineman, and friend. We've been trying to connect a little bit over the last back and forth over the summer. And I figured, well, look, the easiest way is just for you and I have a, to have a chat on a podcast. <laughs> and, and we could have some people uh, listen in. So uh, welcome to the show, Jeff Schwartz. And uh, oh, I've been, been busy, buddy. I got you know, the, the typical work. And you know, we had Pac-12 Media Day last week. And I have this, this project um, that I'm working on that I can't announce quite yet. I hate when I say that. Like I hate when people say that. I have this thing I'm doing. And I can't tell you, and most time I feel like that's fake, but I really do have something that's kept me busy all summer. Uh, we should be able to announce it um, when lawyers clear off on it. And, uh, yeah, so I've just been busy, but now it is football time. We are in pads, and we are ready to go, and it feels like football season. Well, you know, so it's, it's the old uh, I've got a secret and I can't tell yes. when you're a little kid, right? Yes. <laughs> all right, so football, a couple reasons to have you on, one of which also is – Sports Injury Central, obviously we've expanded with a bunch of other doctors covering NBA, MLB. We're also going into college football, yes, which is one yes. of your big things. And um, I think I was always reticent to do it because they're amateur athletes. But now with name, image, likeness, they're basically professionals. And I think it's more fair game to do the analysis. And so we're going to have a special college football section this year at Sports Injury Central covering that information. Now, they don't have released a lot of injury information, which in some ways might make us the only source by looking at video. But then again, the NFL releases a lot of information, but it's all or mostly coach <laughs> Yeah, speak, college right? going to be hard, man. Um, you know, you, you got to be able to watch mostly all the video and then obviously find the plays certain guys are hurt on. But yeah, colleges don't tell you anything. They, they they're just like he has a leg, or you know it's his lower body, or it's just one of his limbs. Um, but yeah, it's harder to do. And I, I'm with <laughs> you there on the the. So I was talking at uh, media day about this. So I typically have stayed away in my analysis of college football, of, uh, specifically calling out kids, calling like, kids, right? Like, you know, if I'm if there's a college quarterback, I don't like the way he's playing. I typically won't say because I'll say the Oregon quarterback, right? And I won't, you know, be as nasty as I am maybe with NFL guy where I'm like, you know, I called and, and, and Stafford made me eat my words, but I called him, I called him Matt Goff for a whole month. Like he just was playing bad and he was playing exactly like Jared Goff did in this offense, right? Like I would never do that with a college player. But now that they're getting paid and getting paid a lot of money in some instances, especially quarterback, I feel uh, less inclined to do that. I feel like now it's almost fair game. To, to, to basically say, you know, instead of saying the Oregon quarterback, I'd say, you know, Bo Nix or, you know, specific players that I that I just, you know, call out. Again, not personally, just the player on the field. And I feel like that is, and to your point about, you know, the way you look at it too, I think that's right, is you know, the more money being put into the game, I think the more we're allowed to treat it almost like a minor league system. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm just dealing with insider knowledge, and, and us and the other team of uh, pro sports docs 
the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, we're going to just right. be looking at video right. during the analysis. So it's the video of a game is what it is. Injuries that happen in practice are going to be a lot harder to decipher. Uh, and I, I can't decide whether it's good that there's no information would be the only source or it's bad. I'm not sure. Because we do find in the NFL when there's a lot of information, but it's a lot of spin, right, of, of what the information is. Um, your your uh, brother, um, so, you know, we've met before yeah. on the Super Bowls and different things, and I've always loved your work and so forth. But the last Super Bowl that I, quote, covered in person, Miami, Kansas City Chiefs, your yes. brother was there at a uh, media day. And I went to the hotel, and I don't take the turn of real media members, right? If there's questions to be asked, I'm not trying to do that. His table was empty. No one's sitting there. And I sat down next to him, and I identified myself, who I was, and that yeah. I was an orthopedist, so that if I asked him a question, he could, like, know where I was coming from instead of being sidelined. And he looked at me completely deadpan. And he goes, I know who you are. I'm like, uh, <laughs> is that a good or a bad thing? Should I get up and leave? He goes, you talked about my injury. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. He's going to be mad. I said, I said, well, and he, and he actually said, and he might have known. I don't know if you ever talked about me with him or not. I think maybe so. I think just, you know, your coverage you and, on, and, on, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. And, and, and what he said was interesting. He said, I actually liked it. He goes, you were right on about the injury. Look, in Kansas City, he said, I was getting some grief on why I wasn't coming back. And you were inadvertently defending me without defending me, saying this is the injury that he has and this is why it's hard, right? And, you know, your brother and, and players in general aren't going to say, hey, hey, look at me. I'm injured more than the team is saying, right? The team is doing things for their own reason. So I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't get slugged. And he actually said, yeah, thanks. And he actually um, liked it. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, you provide an analysis based on the video and there's no bias with it, right? I mean, you know, I think that we often, you know, get information to the public from the team side and the team side often is not going to be maybe as truthful as they need to be because they don't have to be, first of all. And so, you know, as players, we go through this all the time where we might feel a different way than the team tells the public. And I get that that's the way the game is going to work. But it's frustrating. Where you're just saying, okay, I watched the video. Guy has an ACL. Or he's hurt his back. He's going to be out three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. You know, the team will tell you you're out and you're back in two weeks when it's really four. <laughs> so it's just the way it is. And I think that people will at least appreciate that you're just telling how it is, man. Yeah. And, and look, I've had athletes disagree with me on what I was saying. I, I don't know. Michael Thomas said, in general, fantasy doctors, Dobbins came out a little bit, and 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 actually Odell Beckham last year came out a little bit, and we've actually developed a friendship, and he agreed with my analysis in the end that his knee wasn't ready in summertime or spring when we did it. So I've actually enjoyed that that part right there. Um, so the season is here. My first burning question, since I'm just the superb journalist here, if you were still in the league. Give me a reaction to Guardian so Caps. So I was asked this to actually ask the player yesterday <laughs> about the Guardian Caps, and um, they said it doesn't even bother them. Like they're like, it's, it's, I don't feel it. I don't worry about it. Obviously, the data. I think the data shows right. It reduces contact to the helmet. I look. I was six seven. I still am six seven. And I'm lost. I didn't use my head ever. Like it wasn't my concern of mine. I just was too tall. Um, but they're going to take them off for full pads, right? It just was for the, or is it they're wearing it the entire training camp? I think they're wearing it for most of training camp. I mean, it's new. I mean, um, I mean, it looks completely silly. I mean, <laughs> it looks like you got like a pillow pet on your head. You know, I mean, it's. And I love how Jason Kelsey yes. put bubble wrap 
on the, on that. I mean, on top of the guardian cap, but yeah, I, in some ways the tight ends might not like it because the, the strap is a little bit in your vision, not blocking your vision, but look, if you put on a different pair of sunglasses for me, glasses, a different frame gives you a different feel, right? And a different face mask gives you a different feel. And, yeah, they can get used to that. But the only thing I'd say, they're not going to be used in games. And the reason why is it's the multiple subconcussive blows they're worried about in training camp, potentially. And it's not like going to get rid of head injuries. And the problem is if you use it in a game, sometimes you avoid a concussion by the slippery surface of the helmet, and it slides off. And, and with this cushioning, it sort of absorbs the blow. It lessens the blow, but absorbs it, as opposed to sliding off. So uh, I don't think it's proven in games yet. But I, I mean, they're not going to yeah, wear it in games. The, the, one thing, the only question I have about them is that, you know, does it, does it take away preparing for that helmet contact during games, which I know you don't really want to prepare for because you, you want to have as many. Uh, ooh, I was talking about, there we go. You want to have less you know, less, like, contact as possible. But also there is something to, like, the way, at least in the trenches, you use your helmet some, sometimes. Again, it's not the best way at times, but it's going to be very different when you get in the game and you get you get hit there and you haven't been felt, kind of felt that before. But, look, if the data says, says yeah, go for and, it, then go for it. I, I, I'm indifferent. I mean, the guys I've talked to, like I said, are not bothered by it. Yeah, it, it's just more of an interesting it is very, The colleges have worn it for years, I think. This is, not new. this is new in the NFL, but it's not new on the college level. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some real football questions. Um, so you're the offensive line guru. Look, I don't know how. Look, years, a couple years back, I met you about the same time that I met Dan Orlovsky through Twitter randomly. Yeah. Love the stuff, the analysis you did on Twitter. Loved what Dan did. I remember telling Dan, I go, Dude, good, yeah. you're, you're going to blow up here because you're doing really well. And I, and I said the same about you. The difference is he's a quarterback <laughs> and you're an offensive lineman, <laughs> you know. And Dan obviously has blown up everywhere. But I think your O-line analysis you. is unbelievable. And that's actually why I wanted to have you on here as we talk about O-line. And, and here's where the fit is. What we do at Sports Injury Central, look, everyone knows. I mean, we talked Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder to death, okay? Yeah, we talked about his rotator cuff injury against the Dallas game in the playoffs. We knew something was coming. We knew he wasn't tradable. That's fine, but everyone talks about quarterbacks. What we love talking about is the hidden advantages and a lot of and disadvantages and a lot of that is in the trenches along yeah. the offensive line uh in the super bowl when the right side of your offensive line for the Bengals oh, yeah. is a hot mess because of injuries that's a problem uh there was one time last year a couple times when the chiefs had four out of five yep. offensive linemen down starters right and uh and so we do offensive line six yeah, scores those, sports yeah. injury central scores percentage of health scores and front seven defense, run defense, six scores. But we have some offensive line injuries, and, and here's the question I want to ask you. We have some examples of it. So I'll start in a very general sense. There's some line movement that's yeah. happened this year, and we're suspicious that that line movement sometimes is related a little bit to injury. Let's take the Jets, where Mackay Becton, with a right knee issue, is now moved to from the left side to the right side. Uh, there's a couple other yeah. issues, too. How hard is it? Is it harder to move from left to right side, or is it harder to move from guard to tackle? 
in your well, opinion? almost no one moves from guard to tackle. It's most often tackle into guard, right? So um, I would say it depends on on kind of your body structure and type. Like from a Kai Becton, he's just not a guard. Like that, the moving inside would be hard for him, in my opinion. He's too big um, to make that kind of transition work. You guys get under his pads too easily. But to go to tackle at his um, age should be fine. He's working with Duke Mannyweather, which is helpful. Um, he should grow into that spot. But I always, I'm always concerned about guys doing it late in their career. You've seen guys, and we've seen this, where guys move late in their career and then get hurt immediately. Donald Penn comes to mind. He played left tackle for years and goes to the Raiders and gets hurt immediately going to right tackle. I got hurt playing right guard my whole career, right tackle, and going to left uh, left guard. You just – you don't – you know, I played four games at left guard, three in a preseason, and got hurt in my third one. And then I played one game again at left guard and got hurt with the Giants. Like, I played four games, got hurt two of the four games. It's hard to, to switch sides. So I think it's easier to go in from tackle to guard. But, you know, Makai's young um, – and he should be able to make that you know, transition good enough, essentially. But I think that that's the hardest part. It's not going um, from tackle uh, into guard. Yeah, I got you. And then there are cases of guard to tackle. Elton Jenkins yeah, did been, it for I mean, the Packers. Like, Tooney and, did it you know, for, right. like, for, you know, for injury purposes. Um, you know, I, I, yes. I think they're more of like a full-time. The injury purposes, yes, it, it's happened before. We had a guy in Carolina, Travell Warren, who would go out and play tackle when Jordan Gross got hurt. I, I meant more, I thought you meant for the long term. Yeah, in a... Yeah, yeah. No, no, but what we, what we do week to week, you know, if we have a line yeah. shuffle where, like, for example, the, the, the Chiefs in that Super Bowl, when three out of the Four, five starters yeah. for that last their last Super Bowl did not ever start a game together. Yeah. And, you know, when the left tackle went down, Eric Fisher, the, the backup right tackle flipped over, the guard slid out. I mean, you had three-fifths of the offensive line starting a, a yeah. game together for the first time, and it was I, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not a wonder that the Chiefs didn't yeah, score that, a that is the, that, That's the hard part, moving, I think, sides in a short notice. You know, we've seen – it doesn't happen very often where guards go out to tackle. You mentioned Jenkins, Joe Tooney did it. Marshall Yanda did it for a year, I think. Uh, Zach Martin has done it before. But, I mean, two of those guys are Hall of Famers. <laughs> Um, and, you know, Joe Tooney is an all-pro. Uh, Jenkins is very good himself. So, like, it, you know, it takes these special type of players to be able to do that. You're not really doing that very often. But I did it for injuries every now and then. And I, you know, I, I was – but I played tackle for such a long time in my career. These guys like Mar and Yanda, Tooney haven't really done tackle very much. They're just emergencies. But you can do it. And, again, most of those guys that, that do it are just Hall of Fame-type talents. And – it doesn't really matter where they play. Yeah, there's no question. Talent talent is, is good. So my suspicion, debunk this if you th- feel free to debunk this. One of my theories of why Becton is being moved, Makai Becton, I think, I mean, he was yes. a first rounder, right, if I remember correctly. But in any case, to me, it's like if you're a left-hander making someone shoot right-handed layups. Some guys can do it, but yeah. it's not the easiest thing in the world, right, to, to flip sides. And one of the reasons where we, I think the Jets are doing it is Makai Becton had an MCL and patellofemoral subluxation, a patella dislocation, in what I would call his right um, power leg on the inside when he's playing left tackle. I think that's where it makes a little sense to put him on the right side, uh, to have that inside leg be the, quote, stronger leg. 
And do you do you take any stock in that, or I, uh, am I, no, I off I base? Do. Obviously, I never played. I, I certainly do take line. stock in that. Um, plus, I think they like George Fant played better at the, on the left side too. I think guys can be both three true. Right, Fant is maybe better at left tackle than right tackle. And Beckton, to your point about his knee, he is he kind of takes pressure off of it playing on the right side. Um, so I think those those yes. both can be true. Um, I I don't really. And again, I, I'm not privy to what the Jets are talking about, but I can't recall many times where guys got moved because of an injury like that, where they think, like, okay, it's easier on this guy's leg if he plays the other side. I don't recall many of those decisions happening, and maybe because there weren't, it doesn't happen often, where I can recall guys being switched just for injury concerns. But I could definitely believe it with, with Becton. I, I think it may be a factor because of the patellofemoral subluxation, the way he's built and his valgus knees, and we're not trying to get too technical. But I'll take that that answer as, you know, multifactorial. Maybe they like Fant. Maybe they're protecting Becton. Maybe it's overall the best decision. But one case, and the guys that are with me, the producer on the podcast, you can chime in. Who was the Bears guard? He was a long brother. Kyle. And Kyle, he had a, if I'm remembering correctly, a shoulder instability issue, a he shoulder issue, and he flipped sides on guard to, to make the A-gap shoulder the healthy shoulder. <laughs> I, I got to look that up. He, I got to ask him about it. Um, yeah. I, I, that, ask him about it. Maybe I'm off base, but that's what I remember observing, it, yeah, that he did not have surgery on it, and he flipped sides to, to make the A-gap shoulder the healthy side, um, that one that took a lot of the that makes upfront. sense. I, I just think it's it's again it's hard for like I, I really think there's a, there's a concern of you know if you move a guy that's already hurt to another spot then that they can it can get kind of further get exacerbated right um, by moving to a yeah. different side if you're not yeah. athletic enough to, um, to to make that happen yeah well you certainly have to be a good player and and, and uh, I, it reminds me of something else that I'll, I'll get to about injuries in offensive line. Injuries begetting injuries. I want to run that concept by you, too. But since we've talked about moving positions, like Lucas Patrick at center for the Bears, right hand, snapping hand, thumb fracture. We're saying that, look, if they want to slide him to guard, he can come back more quickly, but it's going to be a little bit before he's back at center, you know, after that thumb fracture. That happens. So who knows that what's going with, to happen with here. centers. You have, if you can't snap the ball, you got to move somewhere. <laughs> but, but I also yeah. think like, the thing about injuries is interesting because – you know, I think sometimes offensive lines and coaches and, and, and OCs get into an issue where they do too much movement based off injuries. You know, so like if one guy gets hurt, when I came in the NFL, it was you had one backup guy who played both tackle positions, and then you had one backup that played the inside three. You remember this as well, right? And that was it. So if one guy got hurt inside three, that one guy would go in, and that one is X spot. If a tackle got hurt, the one tackle would go in left or right, did not matter. And now what happens is one guy gets hurt, and then you move another guy there, and you put another guy somewhere else. And now you actually have two spots weakened because you've moved two players, right? The guy that's hurt and the guy you moved. I don't understand that idea. I think it's best to just take one injured player and remove him from the game and then put someone else in rather than moving the injured player somewhere else because now you know, to, to, no, Kyle Long's an exceptional player. So maybe he was the, you know, the, the abnormal to here. But if you move him to the other side, he's probably not as good. He's got a bum shoulder, and now you've made the right guard worse because you moved him. And I get it. Kyle, it's one specific example, and Kyle Long probably played through it. It was fine. But that, that idea of moving guys around, three four guys around because of one injury to me, just has never made sense. 
I, I, I'm with you. We don't like it. And we call those cluster injuries. And in our field views, we end up downgrading on the individual positional six scores if you're flopping guys around because you're just not used to it. And it's a domino effect. And when you're not used to it, uh, you move around, it's, it's a more of a cumulative effect on the O-line to not work as a yes. unit. And that's where we downgrade based on injuries. Not that the right guard that got flipped was injured, but he's playing out of position now. And also then his backup is sliding into yep. the right guard position. And that's where we didn't love the Chiefs with three out of five new guys, oh, yeah. especially with the, the shuffle. And that's very, very hard to do. And you mentioned it, flipping a guy, moving a guy, injuries beget injuries. You play out of position and you're more likely to get injured. And you get lower in the depth chart, and you're more likely to get injured. Look, when you're blocking, you're moving your feet, and you're dominating. Right. No offense to whoever your backup was. That backup sometimes is holding on for dear yeah. life. In the game of tug-of-war, the winning side is moving its feet and pulling its arms, and the losing side is just trying to get lower in the sand uh, in the game of tug-of-war. And same with the offensive line. So if you have a guy that maybe is not as talented as a starter, they're digging in. Well, when someone falls on the back or side of their leg, that's an ankle high ankle or an MCL. If you're moving your feet, you're not injured. Right. So it's a strange way that injuries beget injuries. Oh, yeah. And as the season goes, we'll see the cluster injuries happening. And that's one of the things that we try and uh, put a score on for, for people uh, in in football, et cetera. Yeah, the cluster injuries, that offensive line, I mean, you just don't have enough guys. It, it, it's stinky. It sucks. Um, and then, you, you you know, the worst is get guys getting hurt in camp and stuff. And then you just kind of, it just kind of goes down from there. So, um, you yeah. know, the Ryan Jensen injury is like just for the Bucks, it's just brutal. Guy gets hurt in a, in a non-padded practice with a, with a young cat going a little too hard. Falls into his leg. Keep your feet, right? I mean, or, I mean, that, I mean that's to. the thing is like, you know, it's learning how to practice. I think is so important to avoiding injuries. And, you know, the other four, the other three defensive linemen that were with him on that play were just chilling as they should, right? They got the rush and they stopped on punt contact. And, you know, you know, you had a rookie. I get it. Early round pick, I believe, from Houston, you know, second, second round pick, trying to make a name for himself. Beat the left guard. Great. And then just kind of kept going and kind of created this pile that, Ryan, you know, unfortunately got, you know, got the brunt of it. So you're learning how to practice also prevents injuries too. Yeah. And, and, you know, as much as that, but then the uh, left guard compounds it. Okay. You're beat. That's fine. But then you don't need to push them down to the ground. Yeah. Like it's all, (laughs) Uh, it's just all, but but, and I think the left guard was also, I mean, he's been there a couple of years though, so he should know better than that, but I think kind of, yeah, but he probably was just mad at the moment. Right. And And, just did it. And things kick in. You just, you just go. Yeah. yeah, the other team I'll, I'll run by and, and see. Uh, I'm, we're a little worried about the Packers for a couple of reasons. Number one, I hate it when injuries leak from one season to the next. David Bakhtiari's 2020 injury essentially wiped out 2021, and now he's still not ready to go. And recently, he looked at some video. Um, I don't know if you saw the video. We'll try and play it here if we can, but. Just looking at the video, the the report, beat reporters are saying, "Oh, look, he's on the field. He's doing pretty well." Like, it's pretty obvious to me that he's favoring his left side as he does this, as, the, as he has an ACL there. And I, by that video, I don't think he's close. And one of our worries, what do you think about this? We've been downgrading the Packers a little bit in their offensive line because, obviously, Bakhtiari is their starter, and I don't know that he's ready to go, or at least he's not a hundred percent. 
and Jenkins is coming off his own ACL, and he's supposed to be the right tackle. So now you have left tackle, right tackle. So the proverbial can can you can't you can cheat and help one side, but it's hard to to seal both edges, right? I mean, in in the current NFL, if you have to yeah. help both sides. Um, yes, um, and you know, the, the, I, I agree with you when you're. Bakhtiari had a second procedure, they said, right? So he had like another... Well, technically, it might have been a third, right? Because he had the ACL, a second one in, during last season, and this offseason, maybe a third. Maybe a third one. Yeah, you hate to see that, especially as players get older. The more surgeries they get, it's typically not good. They did draft Zach Tom from Wake Forest in the fourth round, and they drafted a kid from UCLA, Sean Ryan as well, who probably ended up playing guard. But they have some young depth there. But you're right. If they're out, both those guys, we saw last year in the playoffs, they really hurt them, right? Like the, the, the offensive line. And this is where it's magnifying the playoffs, guys, because you're facing better defensive lines. You just are. Like, All right, so you're saying potentially there's some truth if it's left tackle and right tackle out, but you think Bakhtiari will be back. But the playoffs, it gets tougher. Better defensive yeah, lines, huh? I mean, that's why I think it's obviously very important to have those guys available in, in the postseason. If you can get, you know, get him back and get him playing, you know, full, a full, you know, half a season at least, I think there's a chance that this doesn't matter at all. But I think it's hard to see that right now, right? Because he hasn't practiced yet. But there's, again, the preseason is so different now. I mean, Guys don't practice at all. Uh, excuse me. Guys don't play at all in the preseason and are fine all season, right? I mean, they they they, they don't. It, it's different now. Guys just seem a lot more uh, either in shape or just ready to play without practice. Yeah, I, no, no question. It's it's different, and we'll see. But it just makes me nervous uh, right now. Our sixth score on Bakhtiari is eighty-one, and I'm worried that's too high, right? I'm not sure he's going to be season-long eighty-one percent of himself, right? Uh, three procedures missed. I mean, really, a year and a half. I mean, all basically yeah. all of last year, he wasn't healthy fair, enough yeah. to really play in the playoffs. So, so, so we'll uh, we'll 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 see a little bit. That's sort of the uh, the idea. And and this drives home the point. What I always say that not all ACLs are the same, right? I mean, there are isolated tears. Look, that's why we don't like J.K. Dobbins. He was an ACL yeah. and LCL. That's why Michael. Gallup had delayed surgery, was an ACL and MCL, and now he's admitted he's not ready week one. David Bakhtiari obviously had something more than just ACL, right? I'm not saying something didn't go right in the surgery. It's just not all the same and um, and, and, uh, so forth. Uh, Did you ever get put on PUP in your career at all? No, No, I avoided avoided PUP, but I was the first um, player in NFL history, the first starter in NFL history, to go injured reserve twice in one season. So I have that distinction. Yeah, but oh. never PUP. Well, but that also, that, that, that also meant you came I off came injured, off injured reserve. reserve. So. <laughs> I, I dislocated my toe, my big toe. I came off injured reserve. People don't realize, like, that was a, that's a real hard, that's a tough injury. Like, I dislocated my big toe. I, I didn't realize that when I did it either. Like, that's a legit, and then I broke my leg. I fractured just good my ankle, so. If, if, if I remember correctly, uh, I do remember you're doing that, and I kept talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> your big toe, and, and I mean, and the, how big the, of a deal that was. I mean, for Russ push-off. Warren, you know, the Giants team doctor, had not ever seen that before. He's heard about it, but yeah, he said in thirty really? years, never. I dislocated my big toe like up, like on top of itself. Yeah, that's that's what yeah, that's the way it happened. He, he said he never seen uh, it before. It happened to he's heard, he heard uh, about it, but not like I he think I've said it before. So. Before he knew they exist, but he never seen one in person before. Okay, sure, sure. Russ was Russ was yeah. a good doctor, right? Um, uh, I think I said this before, so I've had. Oh yeah, my guys, dislocated big toe at MTP joint could mean surgery and IR. Hope that is not the case for Jeff Schwartz, and that was yep. August twenty second, two thousand fourteen. No surgery because I did not. 
I did not tear my sesamoids. So that's interesting, though, because usually it tears I the did. plantar plate, and so that's enough to warrant surgery. Um, I've said it before in another podcast, so I believe I've had permission, but that's what Antonio Gates had in the playoffs one year when he tried to play. I through. had the plantar plate tear, so it, um, but then I went to see um, Anderson, and he said that I did not uh, tear my, my sesamoid, so I didn't need surgery, so healed. Yeah. Oh, I good. It, yeah. It was, yeah I was, he, said it was, he said he thought All it right. would be, but it wasn't. So I was like, cool, no surgery, great. So, so that's your that's your kind way of saying your tweet was wrong. Well, no, I, I didn't. I didn't need surgery. It was great. It was. I, I mean, I, I played. I played. I, I got the dislocated toe part. I mean, here's an injury that Russ Warren has never seen himself in person. And on Twitter, I said you dislocated your MTB you, joint, you, big toe. You, you, you got to give me some points right. for that one. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was funny. He, <laughs> he tried to put it back on the field, and I was in a lot of pain, you know. And and uh, and Ronnie was like, "Can we just like go get an X-ray first? <laughs> He was trying. He just he tried to like he tried to like put it back like on the field, and I, it was like, can we just like get this done first? He was so excited to put it back. They eventually, obviously, did after we got X-ray. Well, I don't blame him for that because uh, I put Gates's back on the field through his shoe. Well, it was obvious yeah, through his shoe to, that it was. I don't think my shoe was off yet. I think he was trying to. No, no, the shoe was on. I, I left Gates's shoe on. It's like, oh, he's got a dislocated toe. Put it back. You see it through the shoe, and and. I put it back with his shoe so they on. Told me, Get surgery they after, told me yeah, that yeah. it actually was a good thing they couldn't put it back right away because um, that meant that, like, it was still kind of stable. Where, like, if they had put it – if it was easy easy to go back in, it means, like, everything was, like, torn to shreds or very loose. Wait, wait and, and, and you believe that? I'm just telling you what I was told. I'm joking. That's actually true. It's just, actually true. It, it took him like it it's took actually him, like, true. It took three people to put it back. One held to hold my my two people held my legs. I think a third held my foot, and then a four, maybe four, like put it back in. It might end, end up even being it was either Russ or Brian Kelly did it, but um, it was uh, yeah, it was it was yeah. So so the the moral of that story is. Jeff Schwartz's big toe is stronger than three yeah, people. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was stuck. It was just or or, or three like doctors, so maybe not three like people, gross, three weak people. It was gross and like stuck right there. <laughs> one and a half, two. Yeah, yeah. But the staff is saying that that equals three and three doctors equals about one and a half or two there you go. people in strength. So <laughs> very very good. Well, Jeff, really thank you for the time here. Really appreciate you. You've been a good friend over time. And and look, I'm so waiting for you to prove me right and explode much bigger than right, you are. Thank you. I'm on the way. Let, let me tell you, your analysis thank is you. so good and so spot on with everything. We really I'm, appreciate. I'm on the you. way. So we're making. I'm gonna send you a picture of my toe too because it's it's pretty. It's fun. It's like my favorite injury picture. <laughs> um, it, it's pretty great. All right. Can, can we add yeah, it to the ahead. podcast? Yeah, go ahead. I just texted to you. Go ahead. Be my guest. This is the toe that's stronger than three yes. human beings. Yes. That'll yes. be the headline. Or one and a half, yeah, what we said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. All, All right, right, talk to you later. Jeff, Bye, appreciate you. All right, many thanks to Jeff Schwartz uh, for his coming on the podcast. I'm telling you, follow him. Good guy, the whole deal. Um, maybe now that his brother's retired, there'll be a Schwartz and Schwartz podcast. And it has to be company. coming up, right? Yeah, there's right? marketing opportunities for that, yeah. Yeah, all good. Um, so anything else you want to cover, guys? Football, we want to move. There's nothing really basketball. There's some baseball news, but uh, any anything else we miss on football that you want to cover? Yeah, I think uh, just seeing a lot of chatter on Twitter. I mean, it's it's training camp, and everyone's excited, so everyone's got to have their fantasy take, and everything moves the needle way too much now. But what 
with the PUP, I mean, it's active PUP. It counts against the roster. There's no downside for teams starting a player on PUP. But the the big news is whenever a player comes off, it's like, oh, he's ready to go. Michael Thomas is ready to go. James Robinson's ready to go. <laughs> Chris Godwin ready to go. Ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. This is the remember was it last week? Whenever right when training camp started, um, he said bad news season is here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> All the off season is optimism, optimism, optimism. And now the season starts and forget the injuries we're seeing. Like James Washington just went down mm-hmm. and you, we just looked real quick after the short segment and it might be turf toe, but like this is beat reporter, shaky hand sideline video. Right. There was a report of Jones fracture, which would be the other side of the foot, but we're saying right foot, at least we're right that it was foot, not knee, but Action moves fast. I mean, Amari Cooper went down, all this, all yep. this stuff, and Absolutely. and we don't like it because we don't have all the video, but it moves fast. Bad news for new injuries, but also bad news like who knew Eric, David Bakhtiari had a third knee surgery, right? In the offseason, you don't hear about all that. Who knew about all these things? The entrance exams, you get a lot of information when they come you in. You get a lot of entrance yeah. exams, but yeah. also everyone's optimistic, Okay. Look, I respect you. We've talked about J.K. Dobbins and Michael Thomas and Michael Thomas saying fantasy doctors and, you know, saying your fantasy doctor was wrong. I don't take that personally. We're not I'm not I don't really know fantasy, as I tell you guys all the time. Uh, I know injuries. I'm not, hopefully I'm not a fantasy doctor. I'm a quote real doctor. But the bottom line is, look, were we that far off? Yeah, didn't pass a physical for minicamp after a 2019 injury, where now you've had three procedures. You didn't pass a physical at the start of training camp and were put on PUP. It's great that you're off PUP now. But if you haven't been able to pass a physical, what, two and a half years after initial injury, a year and a half after playing your last snap, What's to say that in a week or two, you're now 100% from not passing a physical? And that goes back to answering your question, Jacob. PUP does not, PUP does not mean done for the season. PUP pass, getting off PUP does not mean 100%. Let's talk some examples here. Um, remember, injury recovery is not binary. It's not a light switch. You're 100%, you're not. It's not like... Michael Thomas couldn't do anything when he was on PUP. And now that he's off of PUP and past the physical, he's now magically 100%. I mean, is it even, if he were 99.9%, would they have cleared him on a physical? I think so. Mm-hmm. But if you, the only way you can be 100% today is if you were 99.9% yesterday. Is he really changing that much? So, you know, where was he? Maybe 75, 80% mm-hmm. to decide he's good enough to practice with the team, which is what signals clearing a physical. So let's take another example. When you're on PUP, it means you don't pass a physical. You cannot practice with the team in any way, shape, or form unless you pass the physical. You have to work off to the side with just the athletic trainers. So a lot of times when guys come off PUP or aren't put on PUP, the team is projecting they're getting there and that, hey, they're going to benefit more by practicing with the team. Admittedly, maybe just individual period. They're probably not even doing seven-on-sevens, much less 11-on-elevens. They're not going to put pads on and be out there for contact. 
And that might be the case, let's say, Chris Godwin. I think fans were surprised. Oh, he didn't go on PUP. That means he's fine. No, it doesn't. It just means he's doing well enough that he can benefit from practice with the team, maybe individual period. It also means that in his contract situation, there's no worry about him. They invested a lot of money in him this offseason. He's making the squad. He doesn't have other injury guarantees. If he does, it's already paid off. There's no incentive for the team to monkey around with it. They're, they're thinking he's can, he has gotten to the point where he can do individual drills, which is good. So he's doing fine, but you can't tell me he's 100%. Um, you know, so I think that's the distinction with, well, with PUP. I'd ask a question with uh, Robinson and um, Godwin specifically. They have new coaching. I know, though, Tampa has a little bit more of their staff uh, from last year, but is that something that maybe, too, new coaching staff that might be implementing different things? Well, you know, you're saying James Robinson wasn't on PUP, but we just saw a video yesterday of him still limping around on that right side. I right. mean, you could tell as he ran down the sideline, and even when he decelerated, it's still the right side that he's favoring. That doesn't mean... He's not able to play. I mean, he's on the practice field. But it also means he's not 100%. Look at Cam Akers. Was he 100% last year during the playoffs? No possible way. His yards per carry were about half of what it was normally. He'll be better this time. So James Robinson, and you may be right, Taylor, that with a new coaching staff, besides Jacksonville wanting to turn the page on the Urban Meyer era, and they want all publicity to be positive, they don't want... James Robinson on PUP, but maybe the advantage of not being on PUP, even though he's not 100 percent, is the fact that he can indeed learn the new scheme, Mm. run the new drills and the new plays. And and even if he's not at full speed, that's probably an advantage. And that may be why they said, "Uh, he's close enough. Let's not put him on PUP. But. I don't think it's a six score of 73 or 72, where we have it at. I don't think we're raising that yet. I mean, if you think by fantasy projections that healthy James Robinson will gain 1,000 yards, then we should then say you should expect 700 yards. I'm not saying he can't play, but that's where the 72 comes from. And you guys brought up, and I tweeted that point about Saquon Barkley. Right. Last year, so this is what the six scores are for listeners. If you guys aren't familiar, go to SICscore.com. It's player health. Look, no offense to either player. Davis Mills can have a higher six score than Tom Brady. This just means he's currently healthier. That's not saying he's going to do better than Tom Brady. And by the way, an ankle injury on Tom Brady, Tom Brady, the same ankle injury on Tom Brady as Lamar Jackson Tom Brady might not get docked very much. He's not mobile. Lamar Jackson's going to get docked a lot on his six score. So the type of player matters. But going back to the Saquon example, which, by the way, we have him in the 90s this year. Last year, we had him at 49. He's coming off his ACL. 46. 46. Sorry, 46 when he's coming off the ACL. And the numbers that you guys showed me, here you go, are that the ESPN projection last year was for 1,171 rushing yards and nine TDs. He finished 2021 with 593 rush yards and two TDs. The sixth score, 46, was not bad. It was too high for touchdowns, a little bit low for net yards. And I admit he hurt his ankle and there were other issues. But all we were saying with that sixth score, 46, is don't expect full production across the season. Now, we certainly raised Saquon's six score weekly, right? It kept ticking up where we thought he was better and better. 
but overall for the season. So right now our six scores are for the season projections based on health. When we get to week one, it'll be week one health, week two health, week 14 health specifically. And, of course, we have the team six scores. So we just want you guys to use it as a tool to help you out, and it's all free at Sports Injury Central. Well, I think the, the point, too, is just everyone in training camp, all the injury infos, oh, he looks great. We're, we're happy to get him on the field. We're, we're, we're giving you the injury. We're giving you the context. We know what what system they're running in the offensive line health like it's just well we we try to know right as best as you can right i mean like we're never going to be perfect no gm is ever perfect on their draft class we try and get more right than wrong and give you the best advice uh, possible with the team of doctors uh, etc anything else you want to cover guys Uh, we're going to be sweet or baseball we should cover a little bit yeah mike trout you're uh, you go ahead jacob you were mad at me (laughs) (laughs) my staff was a little bit mad at me when uh they were and and all right you you tell this yeah okay uh well doc's allowed to fit in a vacation every once in a while you i know your life your life's not busy enough you snuck up to tahoe with the family so uh that's allowed i mean right before training camp is the time to do it but uh mike trout came through with the news broke of the the back diagnosis and this this he saw a spine doctor and the spine doctor hadn't seen it ever and yeah and everyone went went crazy right uh career ender career ender career ender and i'm like what look i saw that report i will admit i saw that report before i got on the Truckee river float with the kids but i was like whatever t5 costs over t he's fine he's gonna make it and i didn't even let you guys know when you get off and you guys are telling me how people are saying it's career ending where have you been my career ending look i try to not get my phone wet and drop it in the river (laughs) i put it away (laughs) and uh and um uh, as you put it jacob uh, what was my description to you what did you call it uh, for the back injury, oh, it's uh, much ado about nothing. Mountain yeah. or molehill, basically. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you were kind. I heard you <laughs> told Taylor that I went on a rant about yeah. it, how it was nothing, <laughs> like it was ridiculous. That was that was exactly what I said. Yeah. So, 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 so Jacob says. I said much to do about nothing. That's not exactly what that, I, that's, that, Yeah, that's, that's what I translated san- in my that's, brain. That's the sanitized version. Yes, I was like, yes. why are you guys bugging me over this? This career is not <laughs> over. This is ridiculous. This, you know, just because a spine surgeon hasn't seen it. We've seen it before. Look, it happens more often in the NFL. It's not ending his career. It's much to do about nothing. And um, obviously, it turns out that way, thankfully. But but it's funny how you guys work, right? You and Taylor, you like Taylor tells me yeah, I went on a rant. You're like, oh, you were just much to do about nothing. <laughs> That's why we're the right and left hand. We have yeah, uh, yeah back and forth. Ways. I did yeah. have a question about that. He did say he had to. Man- he's going to have to manage it his whole career. How is he? How is? How, what does that mean exactly in layman terms? I'd say manage it his whole career. Uh, yeah. I mean, he did say that. <laughs> Uh, look, yes, rib cage twisting—it's a big deal. Right. Yes, induction, whatever. Look, if it—if he really has to manage it his whole career in the off season, he should have a simple surgery and resect that rib. I mean, this is something therapists, athletic trainers, chiropractors deal with. It often doesn't even come to the attention of the physician. If it does, injection, cortisone, which he had, PRP. In the worst case, you could even cut that little piece of the rib out and he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to need that. So, mm-hmm. I, I, look, if if I hope that's true. And then I'll get better odds, assuming California is legalized on Mike Trout for MVP next year. I there you mean, go. Right. I, mean uh, I don't see that as a big deal. All right, let's finish off with our beast of the week here. Um, what do you guys got? What do you think? I think we got to, like, 
I don't know if you have any other nominations, but you you guys are mentioning Bill Russell. I think he's a beast of of the century, right? Yeah, I mean, the week is not a it's not enough. I mean, his passing. I mean, eighty eight year old, a uh, uh, pushing. I guess he wasn't really seven feet, but still a big tall guy, living to eighty eight. Good life. Playing career, coaching career, broadcast career. Stay involved in the game the whole time, mentoring the youth, bringing all that stuff uh, up. Yeah, hats off to him. I mean, I'd forgotten. I mean, in some ways, he's like John Wooden, right? I mean, 11 NBA championships, yep. two as a coach yeah. as well. He was a player coach, which is awesome. That's He's doing both. I mean, it's interesting how Russell, I don't know, maybe he does and I don't see it, doesn't get a lot of love for any Mount Rushmore's. All yeah. time, I know he doesn't. Even as centers, I don't know that he always does. Basketball's so interesting. I mean, there's just so many different eras of the game where it's like there's no three-point line when he's playing. He's playing against no one else. All right, with let's, seven let's play the game like, here yeah. off the cuff. <laughs> Mount, Mount Rushmore of NBA centers. Who are they? Bill Russell, Kareem, Hakeem Olajuwon. Shaq. Shaq. Okay. Who are we forgetting? We're forgetting a lot. Yeah, We're forgetting something. a lot. I mean, I mean... If you're going by by eras, and Will things. Chamberlain. I mean, Will right. Chamberlain should be number one. I think George Mikan. Yeah, George Mikan. Yep. Hakeem Olajuwon. You guys say already? Yeah. Uh, Dave right. Ro- David Robinson. Okay, so let's put them out there. Let's 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 have our own little corner here. So Will Chamberlain as nominees: Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Shaq, Kareem. David Robinson, Kareem, um, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yes. George Mikan, did you say? George Mikan. That's yeah. seven. Yeah. Patrick Ewing, maybe? Patrick Ewing. If you go by championships, Bill Russell's on the list. Yeah. He's the number one by championships. Yeah. By championship. But I, yeah. but he makes the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I mean, he, Wilt has to be on the Mount Rushmore. Oh, definitely. And you got he, Kareem just has the most points. He's maybe on there for that. I mean, I grew up in L.A., so I'd say so. But, I mean, what about Bill Walton? Yeah, I was going to say. It's a good one, too. He's right on the tier two. I Moses say, Malone. Moses Malone was a pretty good center as well. Uh, you'd have to take Bill Russell over Moses Malone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's on the yeah, cusp. I mean, I, I mean he, he averaged 22.5 rebounds for his I feel career. Like I got to chime that's, in. Yeah. that's pretty good. By championships, he's the, <laughs> he's the lead dog on that one. Yeah, let Justin yeah, say something. Right he's Bill the Russell Celtics guy. Is, oh, right. is, Mount, is Mount Rushmore. We're saying top four, right? That's that's Bill Russell. I think you got to go. You got to go, Kareem. You got to go, Wilt. And then I think the debate—the only real debate—is between Shaq and Olajuwon. Personally, I think that's probably the debate. I think if you're if you're grasping for straws, if you try to find another, Justin, you don't you you don't like black and white NBA players like you know before color on TV, (laughs) George Mikan (laughs) before the three point line. I mean, I mean, didn't they introduce the key for him? They did. No, Mikey was a revolutionary player for sure. I mean, I, right. I never saw him play either. I was right. grainy black and white. I'm just saying. We for sure did. Well, yeah, well so. you're inspiring some YouTube deep dives then. <laughs> no, I think you're right that he probably does belong in the Mount Rushmore centers. But the overall Mount Rushmore, I mean, you talk about Jordan and all his rings. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Bill Russell, if you talk about all-time Mount Rushmore, I don't think he gets a sniff. Does he? I don't think no, so. I, I think, think when you right. doesn't get the same respect because they're saying, "Oh, he's he's not playing against." Yeah, any if you other do centers alone, he's days. on the list. But when you open it up to everybody, greatest of all time, that's when the debate of of era can come in. I think you open you introduce that because what Jordan did in his era, I, it's hard to debate. I don't know, it's crazy. Well, there's four on the Rushmore. You're already forgetting a position already, so you're already kind of cutting people out already, right? Anyway, so <laughs> it's already limited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, any other Beast of the Week candidates, or we'll go with my little... I, I want to get your take on Aaron Donald's new move. I don't know. If you, yeah, I'm sure everyone in NFL circles... Update on that, by the way. He did it again today as well. I, I think a, I saw that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> is, is, is he telling people who's boss? Is he showing who's, a new move? Who's the rookie? What's he doing? Do you know the rookie, Taylor? Is it the I, it's an undrafted rookie. I do not. Yeah, yeah. see, that's is, the point, though. <laughs> that's is, why he's doing it on him. Is it the same guy? Chill it's out? A, it's yeah. the exact same guy every time. He's a designated... Aaron Donald, new move, guinea pig. Is it a new move, or are you saying, chill out, guy, guy, you know, don't get anyone injured here? What's he doing, you know? I maybe, know. maybe just asserting his dominance in the defensive unit, you know? I don't like, think he needs to do that, though, right? I don't think so either, but that's how you stay in charge, right? <laughs> that's interesting perspective. If a coach did that to a player, he'd be gone, <laughs> yeah. right? But it this doesn't is look good from player. video, yeah. Player to player, eh, you know. I mean, Elite yeah. player, boys too, will, right? Elite boys player. will be boys. It, and if you did that in high school, it would be called bullying. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, though, because he, like, he shakes him four times and he pats him on the chest like, drill done. Like, like they, they, they talked about it before. <laughs> like, it's like he did a good job. Like, he, whatever he did there, Darren Donald think that was enough. So it's like, interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it's yeah, well, Aaron Donald is just a beast. We won't yeah. say beast of the week. I kind of like this Everton thing. I don't know if you guys saw it. Justin will show it. This fan, I guess, for the soccer club. Soccer, Everton, yeah. Had really been helping a lot of Ukrainian refugees in relief. And they literally called him out of the stands mm -hmm. to take a penalty kick. And it was a real penalty kick. Right. Now, admittedly, they were up 3 nothing. It was a friendly as well, too. And it was a, quote, yeah. friendly. Yep. And clearly the other goalie didn't really make a move. Right. But, I mean, this tops, you know, the NHL stories where you have the Zamboni driver coming out of the crowd as the third goalie to come yep. into a game. I mean, this literally is a fan. It's a pot-bellied fan. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that came out. And, and they had a jersey for him, too. It was fitting and everything, right? So, Did they roster the guy? Do you know? I mean... I don't. I don't think so. I, you, I feel like you have to by rules. You would have to be on the bench. But I, I don't know. They, I don't know the rules are friendly. Friendly, are, but, friendly might be a little different rules. Yeah. yeah. But, but, <laughs> but you know what? I think there's a lot. Of, I mean, we'll call him a beast. Good job helping the refugees and so forth. But I don't know. Maybe there's a promotion in here. You know, you win the lottery. You know how there's some things, certain leagues. You win the lottery or win a contest. You get to call a play. Like you know, yeah. some of these. Maybe you get to throw a pass or kick a ball or you get to come out of the stands and do something yeah. that would generate randomly draw a season ticket holder to yeah why not right? <laughs> better, better than the half court shot at uh for a million dollars in the nba stuff i mean anyway so we'll make him the beast of the week for his good work absolutely all right uh all 32 teams injury analysis are up at sports injury central all the fantasy players, the, the PUP list, the comings and goings, more content coming. And uh, pay attention to the offensive lines and pay attention to our special guest uh, today, Jeff Schwartz. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll chat next week or sooner.